inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thank you for joining this episode that we are going to talk about storytelling. Yes, storytelling, again, is an excellent uh, topic for talking. But today, instead of talking just about tips and tricks, we are going to discuss about a full methodology for building stories. And for that, we have a guest who has been before with us two years ago. One of the very first people who will be interviewed in this podcast has been Florian Mück. Florian Mück from Germany, based in Barcelona, worked as a consultant and business development manager for almost a decade for KPMG, the global advisory firm. Since 2009, he has dedicated himself to helping companies improve their team performances and staff retention by teaching them the power of persuasive communication and memorable presentations. His specialty is moving people to action in a fun, pragmatic, energetic way. Florian is the co-creator of the world's first public speaking board game, Rhetoric, a collaborator of IESE Business School Barcelona and author of three books. Florian offers transformational communication seminars, keynote speeches, and presentation coaching in English, German, and in Spanish, mainly to international brands like Banco Santander, Panasonic, or King.com. Hello, Florian. Hey, how's it going? Very good. Nice to have you here again after nearly two years. So it's uh, fantastic. In, and it was great meeting you in person last October. If I click, remember, you visited Helsinki for the first time. Yeah, today I feel much more connected with you than last time because today I, here in Spain and Barcelona it's raining, uh-huh. so I feel I feel much connected with with Helsinki. <laughs> so you don't have the sunny paradise weather you usually have. <laughs> Not always. Absolutely. But Florian, um, besides having visited Helsinki first for the first time, what have you done lately? Tell us a bit more. Okay, it's uh, life of a speaker and trainer, especially trainings, have, have kept me busy, especially last year and this year. Last year I had 129 training days. That was that was quite amazing. But the big ones last year was definitely my first published book in German. That was this was a big step because for the first time after KPMG, for the first time in nine years, I had to face a deadline. Do you remember deadlines? Oh, I, I, like I had a deadline. And then I had to deliver. And then I had forgotten about all the days that I had to invest into writing. And then the last five days, I wrote 15 hours and then had at least 67 bottles of red wine. That was amazing. And in, in March 7th, we, we launched in 2015. And, and this is, I have to say, I'm a, I'm a great fan. I pop, self-published two books. But having a publisher, you know, mm-hmm. it, is another, it is another level in every sense, in, in professionalism above all. And then, of course, with John Zimmer, John has been on this call, mm-hmm. has he? Yes. Yeah, John, my friend John, our friend John Zimmer, mannerofspeaking.org, great blogger and professional speaker, friend, business partner. We launched our rhetoric app this year. And this is also very cool because now we have more reach into schools, across the world, universities, people use it a lot more. And, and we're 
we can add new themes to it. It's, it's a very exciting project, and this app is a new level. So that, uh, that is what happened last year. Yeah, fantastic, and congratulations for that app. Huh? So, Okay, well, let's switch now to the, to the main topic. I, I know you have a lot of things to tell us about storytelling. So what are the seven golden rules of storytelling? Before I go into the seven golden rules of Aristotle, mm -hmm. of how to tell a story, just like 20 minutes ago, I, I tweeted, because I was thinking about our call uh, the whole the morning, the whole morning, and then I said, storytelling is like love songs. Mm -hmm. They never, it never gets boring. <laughs> and, and, and what is amazing, and I've now, as a, as a trainer in the last seven years, I had the pleasure and honor to moderate evaluations speech evaluations of 6,601 speeches. Wow. But, but the, the number of speeches that have a story mm -hmm. in them is minimal. I mean, we talk about storytelling all the time when you go to, to trainings and everywhere it's storytelling, but who tells stories? It's amazing. When I, when I was with KPMG, my storytelling capabilities were like this. Yesterday, I had a client meeting. Mm. Full stop. That was my storytelling. And now when you ask, if you ask me, what do I listen to when I listen to the 6,601 speeches that I heard in the last seven years, the only thing, the only thing is stories and nobody tells stories. It's totally crazy. And we have to go back and we have to, we have as trainers, as professional speakers, we have to tell people over and over and over again. Tell stories, add it to your business presentations, make them stick. And here we go. There are different there are different storytelling approaches. Well, I personally like very much the seven golden rules of Aristotle. I always say in my trainings, Aristotle is the thorn in the pride of any professional speaker because it's all there for 2,300 years. He invented everything. Logos, nothing new. There's nothing new. It's amazing. I always say we cannot reinvent the wheel, but we can repaint mm. the wheel in the 21st century. So I use these seven golden rules because they work very well to, to tell stellar stories. And what I want to do now with you in this talk is to give you an overview of these seven golden rules, always with specific examples and making it digestible for the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the first golden rule? No plot, no story. A story needs a plot. A movie needs a plot. A book needs a plot. Books and movies are stories. Stories need a plot. Yesterday I had a client meeting. Doesn't sound like a plot to me anymore. <laughs> now, and there are different plots. I mean, the, the basic one is, is it a love movie. Think about movies. Is it a love movie? Is it a thriller? Is it, is it a horror movie? Let's, but then there is always plots. And we, like the screenplay, and we have to... And we have to build a plot. One of the best plots for any presentation, whether it's speech, presentation, whether it's business, not private, is the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. The hero's journey goes back to an American guy, Joseph Campbell, 1949. He wrote a book, The Thousand Faces of the Hero. And in The Thousand Faces of the Hero, this guy analyzed all these great uh, antique ancient heroes like Hercules and uh -huh. Achilles and, and Hector and all these guys. And they all go through a journey. If, if, picture it as a circle. So there's a circle. Now in this book, in this circle, Joseph Campbell describes 
12 steps. But nobody can remember 12 steps. Yeah. You can remember three, the rule of three, the golden rule in rhetoric is three. So I, I, I drilled it down to three main steps and I call it CSI, just like, mm -hmm. just like the series, CSI. What happens? Let's take Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. Frodo on the top of the circle, there's the home and he leaves home. He goes now in the circle to the right direction. He leaves home as an underdog. He's the normal hobbit from next door, an underdog hobbit. Nothing special in him. He's a nice guy. He leaves home because he faces a C, a challenge. That's the first of three steps. He faces a challenge. And that challenge is, of course, to destroy the one ring. Then he has to undergo the S, undergoes struggle, 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 Str orcs, more orcs, more orcs. What, where do all the orcs come from? Spiders, magicians. He fights all the time with all his friends. They're fighting all the time. Struggle. That's in the, if you picture the circle, that's on the lower part, the, the S. And then he moves on. Then comes at one point, this one moment when he wins, the ring is destroyed. But for me, that is not the most important one. There comes the eye. Okay, and now among us, I had to be, I had to find an I because I wanted the CSI acronym. So I call it introspection. He looks in, inside of himself, into himself. And introspection translated would be the lessons learned on that journey. And with those lessons learned, he comes back home to the Shire as a better person, as the hero. The, the underdog has turned into the hero. The other day I had a fanatic of Lord of the Rings in my trainings and he said, yeah, Flo, but that is not really correct because he doesn't go back to the Shire. He goes to a higher level, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you see. But you, you get the point. Uh, Cinderella turns into the princess. And Superman Clark is the Superman. And, and uh, Michael Corleone and the Godfather is now the Godfather. And it's always the same journey. In all the movies, it's crazy. If you, if, you, if you know this stuff and you watch stuff, you see exactly the same pattern over and over again. So in the middle, there's this very important person in the middle of the circle who accompanies the underdog to the hero journey. Of course, it's the mentor. Mm -hmm. and, in term, and in The Lord of the Rings, who is it? Oops, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, man, Oscar. The Lord of the Rings. Gandalf. Gandalf is the mentor. <laughs> and the mentor has two main, main purposes, main tasks. First one is he's like a coach. If, if, if Frodo was driving a car, he would never drive the car for him. He would say, mm -hmm. hey, don't fall asleep. So that's, that's mm -hmm. one. He's the coach. Or have you thought about taking a left turn next time? He never mm -hmm. does, takes the left turn, but he makes you think about it. And then you take the step, just like a coach. And the second one is on his journey, this underdog normally always, you know, Frodo, he gets more and more self-esteem and self-confidence and the ring and, you know, he turns into a more, yeah. And the, the, the task of the mentor is to put him with his feet back on the ground and say, hey, 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 little man, stay calm. So these are the two main tasks of the mentor. And in my trainings, I always ask the people that are sitting in front of me, whether it's banking or gaming or or food, or champagne, doesn't matter. I always ask them, now, didn't you face in your life's challenges, professionally or privately, challenges in your life? 
Didn't you undergo struggle to overcome these challenges? Didn't you learn something out of this struggle and the challenges on your way? And, and wasn't there a mentor, some granddad, grandmother, mother, friend, boss, provider, your son, it could be your son, who gave you tips, who was there for you in difficult times? And one thing, mentor can be also one person you don't know, such as some, um, an author of a book you read. Well, I like, of course, always make everything more personal, mm -hmm. better story, more personal, better story. The best ones are the people that people can relate to. And these are like a boss or, mm -hmm. or an uncle okay. or a neighbor, because these are the personalities that people can really relate to more. Yeah, everybody has a boss. And yeah, okay. <laughs> But of course, if, of course, I ask them these questions. It's a rhetorical question because they have all these challenge struggles, introspection lessons learned mm -hmm. in their lives. And this is exactly the reason why the hero's journey works from Turkey mm -hmm. to Toronto. It doesn't matter. It's global. And that is a plot that you can use in yours. In when you present a business presentation, they always say, they always tell their success stories in business. And we had great, um, we had great benchmark projects and we did all this. What they should say is we made, we made three big mistakes in this mm -hmm. project. And then we learn from it. And what did we learn from it? And with these learnings, we will support your business much better now. This would be much more powerful in terms of the hero's journey. Now, the CSI, this is my favorite plot now. But the plot, the first golden rule of Aristotle of telling stories, I, I focus also on two other aspects. One is five senses. How do we speak? What do you think, Oscar? How do we speak normally as speakers of the five senses that people have? Which one is the only one people trigger? What do you think? I was standing in front of a church. We face a big project. What, which sense do we trigger? Mm. Now I got you on the spot. Never <laughs> do that in an audience. It's the visual. We always talk visually, eyesight. And the visual sense in human beings is the, is the weakest one. It's amazing that we don't say use other senses. You can say this project doesn't go right or you say this project smells like rotten eggs. But we don't do that. Uh, I, uh, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't the touch. When you touch this project, it doesn't feel good. We could use much more senses and trigger senses in our storytelling in the plot. That is much more powerful because you talk to the body and when you talk to the body of people, you talk to their senses and you talk to their emotions. You, you gain more pathos, more emotional appeal when you talk to the senses. Mm -hmm. And the third element for the plot that I, always, that I always promote is you should have twists. Find inspiration in Tarantino movies. Quentin Tarantino, think about Pulp Fiction. There are at least 27 twists in that movie. Twists, a sudden change in direction. Twists are surprise, and surprise is what makes stories exciting. So when you have, for instance, you, you have a business presentation and you have some new insight, what do people do when they present at a conference? They put the new insight in their title. That is crazy. That kills all the suspense, all the curiosity. They should bring it in after two-thirds as a surprise, a new insight. That is a twist. And the strongest twists, needless to say, are emotional twists when something it goes really, really well in a speech and then suddenly, boom, <laughs> total, total disaster. In, in Greek, if you really want to, if you really want to go deep, this, this one on the hero's journey, there is one twist that is the most important twist in the hero's journey. 
the one I mentioned before, the CSI, it's called anagnorisis. Anagnorisis took me three weeks to learn that word by heart. Anagnorisis. <laughs> anagnorisis is this special moment when the, when the hero has this revelation, this, this new point of, of view. There's an incredible anagnorisis when you, if you watch your, your, your listeners, if you watch the 2009 World Championship winner of public speaking, it's on YouTube, 2009, Mark Hunter from Australia. And he's in a wheelchair. He's my friend, Mark. And then when he was younger, he's, he's in the kitchen of his grandmother and he's struggling with life because he doesn't know. In the sink, there are, there are green tomatoes, tomatoes, and there's one, one red apple. And then he's struggling. Do I want to be in his speech? Do I want to be the green mass of people and just, uh, just be a face like everyone else and just ignore my fate and go with the flow? Or should I be special and be the red apple? That was his struggle. Should I fight my fate? Should I be different? And in the end comes the anagnorisis. He looks into the sink. He looks at the sink and then he says, Nana, he calls his grandmother. He's, she's in the kitchen. And he says, Nana, I want to be so much. I want to be so much the water. Oh. <laughs> I think, and I told Mark, uh, we talked about this a lot. I think this anagnorizes, this twist gave him the world championship. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. So great, story, great stories have unexpected twists exactly mm -hmm. out of the blue. Don't give indication when you tell stories. Don't say it was a dark day of my life. Don't. It was a sunny, shiny day. And then it turned dark. The second golden rule is, I mean, think about stories. Think about the fairy tale of Hansel and Gretel. Do you know Hansel and Gretel? Yes, yes. The Grimm brothers. Um, they, did I say an M? The Grimm brothers and... The, the witch and, and, and Hansel and Gretel, there are characters. A story needs characters. What did I say when I was back at KPMG? Yesterday, I had a client meeting. <laughs> Now, if I looked at you, your full name is Oscar. What's your full name? Oscar San... Santolaya. That's the one, Oscar Santolaya. And how do you look like? I look at your Skype photo right now. You have black glasses. <laughs> you have a nice smile. You, you, have, you have black hair, still a lot of hair, and you have a black top. And what is your personality? I met you in Helsinki. Look, you, you're, you care for people. You're always smiling. You, you're, you are, you're a doer. You do this podcast. Your personality is of, of, an, of an entrepreneurial spirit. You see... Characters have names, they have looks, and they have personality. And if you just say yesterday at a client meeting, the audience has no chance to, to see these characters. They don't come to life. When you tell stories, give people names. They have names, for Christ's sake. They have names and they have looks, they have presence, and they have a personality. So mention these little snippets of information and people in your stories come to life. And when they come to life, people can identify more with it. When they can identify more with it, your story is more powerful for the people. That's the second golden rule. So enrich the, the characters. Yeah, give them names, give them presence, looks, give them personality. Describe them. Mm -hmm. This is it. 
The third thing is don't tell stories, relive stories. Don't tell stories, relive stories with dialogue. Mm. Dialogues is is the chili, is the chili in your soup of content. What, what, how do people normally, when they're in my trainings, how do, or when I hear them speak in conferences, congress everywhere, it's always the same. They would say something like, three weeks ago, my mother visited me and she asked me when I'd be back to Germany. Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago, my mother came and visited me and she asked me when I'd be back in Germany. This is exactly how people speak with comma and indirect phrases, much more powerful to say. Three weeks ago, I was sitting there in, in a terrace in, in Barcelona. We had a nice, my mom and I, we had a nice Ribera del Duero, a nice red wine. It was in the sunset. It was a beautiful evening. And then she just suddenly asked me, Florian, when do you come back to Coburg? <laughs> and I, I said, but mom, I, I love Barcelona. And then she said, I miss you. You you see, this is so much more vivential, so much vivid dialogue. It's chilly. My friend Dennis says the other day, day, you cannot do that. And you know what (laughs) what happens with dialogue is you become an actor without being an actor because you turn into the other person. And they do it all the time. People stand at coffee machines in companies and they say, did you hear what this Maria said? She said, you cannot do that. They have no problem doing dialogue at a coffee machine. But as soon as they stand in front of 20 people standing up in a room, they say, yeah, my colleagues, it's not always easy with them. You see, <laughs> where's the dialogue? You use dialogue and your your stories come to life like nothing else, I tell you. One thing about dialogues is excellent, this, uh, this step also. For instance, in this kitchen conversation, uh, the person imitated the other. What about when you are doing uh, like a, a speech? Should you imitate uh, the, someone's voice, have two different voices or just your own the, voice? The funniest thing, Oscar, is you do that in real life <laughs> automatically. <laughs> just when you put your stupid mask in front of your voice and body and mimic on stage, it's just gone. So relive them. That's what it Go to your reliving room. Greg Valentine, great advice. Greg Valentine, professional ex-world championship winner of Toastmasters Public Speaking World Championships. Greg Valentine, man, the same thing. Go into your reliving room and then you do it automatically. And this is what is the beauty of it because the more you impersonify that other person, the more your vocal variety changes, Mm. the more your mimic changes, the gestures change. You add chili to your soup of content because your delivery is so much better when you use dialogue. (laughs) The fourth golden rule of storytelling is to have a theme. A theme. Now, why is a theme so good for stories, for speeches, for presentations with slides? A theme helps the audience to follow your stuff more easily. That's all it is. A theme like like our project is a journey. Journey is a bit cliche. Be careful with journeys. Everything is a journey. <laughs> but <laughs> Christmas could be a theme. Love could be a theme. Perseverance could be an abstract theme if you if you have if you face tough times. But then you ho- the whole story, the whole the whole speech, the whole present is framed by that theme. Once I had a very nice one combining theme with dialogue, and and I always give this recommendation now to to my training training participants. 
that lady she, in the training, she gave a speech and she, she was tell, she was talking about the benefits of her company, but she put all this into a dialogue with her friend in a bar. Now <laughs> she set up the, she set up the plot. She set up the scene. She described the music in the bar. There's ambience music playing. The nice waiter asked them for coffee con leche. Uh, you know, the whole thing was set up and then she had a normal discussion, a conversation with a friend. And so my friend, Christine, she, she asked me, so how is it in your new company? I said, wow, amazing. There are three things I really like about my companies. And my friend asked me, so what are they? So she used, she talked about her company, but she used a dialogue with a friend as a theme to talk about it. And what happened for us, she got massively positive feedback, I have to say, because it was more personal, more relatable. It was more exciting. And of course, when you celebrate yourself and your and or your company, it's all, it ha always has this tone of a little bit arrogant, you know, self-celebration never smells really good. But <laughs> since, it was a, since it was a conversation with a friend, we just thought, wow, that's cool. Because we have these same conversations with our friends. That was amazing. Hmm. So a theme helps the audience to follow your content much more easily. All right. Yes, uh, this one one element that I hardly have heard about the storytelling, the the one you said theme. Yes, makes it more real. Also, cool. Now I always say plot, characters, dialogue, theme. That's easy beans. You can apply it right away in your next phone call with with a stranger, with a prospect. It, this is easy. I mean, if you go into this, you can do it quite easily. Now, the other three, the three remaining golden rules, that's a bit, I call it freaky in Spanish, freaky. It's a, bit, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a freak show. You have to know that all this goes back to Greek theater 2,300 years ago. And this we have to know. I mean, it's, it, everything was a little bit different. <laughs> Now, the fifth, the fifth I, I apply them. I apply them a lot, but it takes also a lot of self-confidence. So the fifth, the fifth golden rule is decor decoration stage design this comes from greek theater mm -hmm. of course theater like today there's always a stage design there's decoration but how should i decorate my business presentation <laughs> this is something i hear all the time <laughs> oh man what what people never understand is it's not the question of it they always know what cannot be done, but they don't think about what could be done. And I only think now in what could be done to make it more entertaining, more exciting, more memorable. Decoration, what do I do? Well, first of all, you have most of us use PowerPoint slides, uh, death by PowerPoint. <laughs> well, that's a famous topic. But um, a full screen image like the flying ET when, what was his name? The boy? Oof. Damn. Uh, you don't know that. You didn't even know Frodo's. Uh, I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> At least I watched that one. I don't know a name either. <laughs> oh man, what was his name? Okay, you you get the picture in front of this huge moon when they are flying with the with the bicycle and the ET is there in front. This full screen image I always use in my trainings when I talk about stories. This is automatically stage design. When you go to conferences six times seven meters, it makes a massive impact. And what do people throw at the wall? A corporate boring template slide. I always call corporate templates now the, Mon the Mount Everest of monotony. <laughs> This, I mean, 47 times the same layout? Jesus Christ. Don't do that. 
when you present with slides on a screen, I uh, well, this is another. When we do once another podcast, I will talk about how to do two different sets of of slide presentations. But a full screen image, like the ETE thing, that is decoration. The second of three that I use is holograms. Holograms. Have you done holograms in speaking when you use your body? and your gestures and you build pianos in the corner of, of the stage or, or you draw the, the other day, somebody put a flag post in the middle of the stage. Unfortunately, he ran through it two minutes later because what he didn't know is once you set up a hologram on stage with your body language, then it's there for the yeah. audience. <laughs> that was quite, we all said, Oof! we, we just bumped into the flag post. And, and the third thing that, that is not so much though for the, for the podcast, you, you should see that how you do that, you know, with, with visual. But the third thing is you can use visual aids, visual aids, props. You can use props to decorate a stage. If you go and see Hans Rosling, have you seen Hans Rosling? Mm -hmm. Ted Talks, Hans Rosling is a scientist from Sweden. He always uh, shows, ah, he, sh he explained, for instance, the, the, the world population problem with seven laundry trays on a table seven oh. and every, every laundry tray is 1 billion people and it's demonstration is just so fantastic but he decorates his whole stage of course with his visual aids with his props you could have a candle this would be a nice decoration a minimalistic decoration for a room where you for the last time saw your father you see, you, you, there is infinite possibilities to decorate your your stage, and people just don't do it. They put on the wall their boring corporate PowerPoint template. The sixth golden rule is to have chorus. Chorus, C-H-O-R-U-S, choir comes apparently from chorus. Mm -hmm. Now, I always thought they're singing like the all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A chorus. Exactly. Chorus lines, the song, the chorus. I always thought they sing all the time. But then in my club, in my Toastmasters club in Barcelona, prestigious speakers, there is our wise man. And his name is Arthur Waters. He looks like a Rolling Stone member. <laughs> smoking pot all the time <laughs> and he he was ex-literature prof and and 25 years in the trenches as a hardcore lawyer so so he has he eats wisdom for breakfast mm -hmm. and arthur waters is the is the lector of my self-published english books and he knows every little thing about greek methodology he knows everything and i told him about this when he was editing my book the new one that i'm also writing about and that that's another project and he's i said so they are singing right and he said no florian they're not only singing the chorus has other functions as well like they okay. give spontaneous comments to the protagonist or they mm. they 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 make background noises and they, they're just there's an element for for breaking monotony mm -hmm. and then i asked arthur but they also sing right <laughs> and he says yes florian they also sang also <laughs> I had in these more than 6,601 speeches that it's now, mm -hmm. every time somebody sings in a speech, and I'm, I'm talking deadly serious now, every time somebody sings, and I'm not saying four minutes, 36 seconds my way in the whole piece. I'm talking about a fragment like with or without you, mm -hmm. or let it be, let it be, or all you need is love. Only a little fragment. It's always, always, always perceived 
super positive by the audience. I encourage your listeners, I encourage you, Oscar, sing more on stage. Put it as a little fragment into your speeches and presentations, also in hardcore business. It's always positive because it breaks monotony. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Once one clarification, actually, if if you sing a little bit on your speech, that's already the chorus, or you expect that the others do something? Wow, that is a good question. <laughs> I will I will put this in practice in my next training or speech, keynote speech, and then I will let you know. Of course, you can make the audience sing, but you have to be careful because if it's really business, business, it cannot look mm. cheesy. It yes. cannot go over the top. Mm. But when you as a speaker add a little bit of singing, it, it, is, it is not cheesy, it's spicy, it's salt and mm. pepper. And I encourage always people, a little, little bit of singing here and there doesn't doesn't really kill. Unless you're a terrible singer. <laughs> um, I had people sing like this, with or without you. <laughs> and guess what? It was also perceived positive in the evaluation. <laughs> There is no way you can fail with singing. Okay. And the seventh element, the seventh golden rule is, I mean, think about Oedipus. Oedipus has sex with his mama. I mean, this is mm -hmm. this is Greek theater. They were a bit yeah. weird. Everybody got slaughtered on stage. They had, for sure, they had these these bags filled with color and they, the blood was spilling on stage. They needed spectacle. Spectacle. Spectacle is the seventh golden rule. Think about Hollywood movies. They also train these seven golden rules still today. If you, if you go for a film director in Hollywood, they mm -hmm. practice all this and they learn this stuff. And spectacle would be in Star Wars, the technical special effects. <laughs> We need spectacle. And how do people tell a story? <laughs> Come on, guys. Vocal variety, action, fist clapping, do something. Something must happen. Uh, throw down a, a bottle of, of water on a, on, a, on a floor suddenly. A twist. Something must happen. This is storytelling. So you need spectacle. Spectacle translated for me is energy, enthusiasm, is body, is voice, is, is really, really tell a story with bringing to life. Your special effects that come from your body. <laughs> exactly. This is exactly what I mean. So and when you do all this, when you have a plot, the CSI one is really, really, if they always ask me if, oh, how can I remember all this? There's no way you remember it in once, but if you do it more often, if you join a Toastmasters club and, and you practice and you do it more often, this becomes your DNA because stories are your DNA as a speaker. Now, if you had one thing from this talk, one thing to remember, CSI, challenge, struggle, introspection with the lessons learned. This is the one thing you can apply right away and you will always succeed in the audience, always. But in general, If you have a plot, if you have characters in that plot and you bring them to life with names, with, with looks and presence, with personality, if you use dialogue and you don't tell stories but you relive them, if you put everything in a theme like a dialogue with a friend, if you use decoration that you can do with a PowerPoint slide or with holograms or with, with props, when you add a little bit of singing, when you have spectacle, when you – the technical special effects like you said so well, which is your body, guys – Then you tell stories. And it's the same for 2,300 years. It will not change. Tell more stories because this is the only thing that I, as a very experienced speaker, listen to, honestly. 
Oh, right. Thanks for this very, very comprehensive uh, method for storytelling. There are many points that uh, we really hear about that. And, and yeah, but the CSI, this is the key thing. What you say, the challenge, struggle and introspection. That's one of the main things to to remember is the, the core of uh, creating a, a compelling story. But yes, applying even the spectacle and decor, everything that you have said, wow, sounds um, well challenging, but it's very worth to put all things together. How often have you seen some people, especially in business life, to put all these seven things together? Never. Oh. <laughs> we had to do why, more effort. That's why, it, that's why it's such a great field of opportunity. Mm. You'll be unique if you put all these things together. Yeah. Sounds amazing. That's Well, you you start doing stuff, right? I mean, we are Toastmasters. You're not. I mean, at mm. Toastmasters, you you add things to your speaking with the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, exactly. a it's it's like a gym. You go to the gym. You don't you don't start with 100 kg and, and lifting <laughs> weights. I mean, you start with 15. Uh, this is how it is here too. You add stuff in in the future. Oh, fantastic! These seven golden rules of storytelling that came from Aristotle. Okay, now we are heading towards the last part of the interview. Could you now tell us, and I'm very curious to know, what is your favorite quotation? Well, when you send me the questions for this interview, and I really gave it thought, I, I use a lot of them, of, of course. But there's one special form of quotation, mm -hmm. which is also which which also adds. We use quotes to add to our ethos. We, we steal or we borrow, we borrow ethos, credibility from people who have it. Mm -hmm. Like Nelson Mandela, this is, the, this is why we use quotes. Mm -hmm. And of course, intellectually, there are nice lines. But in the end, it's about ethos. But there's one thing, one person that really people I learned can also relate to a lot. And that person in their lives has a lot of ethos, credibility as well. And this is my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom. Every time somebody uses mom quotes in my trainings, everybody loves them. And uh, Mark Twain said, all generalizations are false, including this one. But everybody loves mom quotes. It's amazing. So my mom, I asked her once she was, that is, that is my all-time favorite for my mom. <laughs> and, and I asked her, she's, she was an elementary school teacher for 42 years. She's now 84. And once I asked her, mom, 42 years of elementary school teaching, little boys and girls, seven, six, seven, eight years old. What is your biggest lesson learned? And she's from Bavaria, so she took a long sip of beer. <laughs> and then she said, where there is no hook, you cannot hang a jacket. Mm. And ever since I look at that, and it's true, there are people, you put so much into them and so much into them, and you want to make them better and better, whether you're a trainer, a boss in the team, a leader of the company, whatever, and there is just no hook. And where there is no hook, you cannot hang a jacket. Now, could you share with us uh, a book that ha you having uh, read it lately and you find a good uh, recommendation for us? Yeah, this is a, a paradox because you always ask me the same question. You asked me the same question two years ago. <laughs> I, I don't read so much. Oh, yes, I, I remember I, you said I that. Write. Yeah, because I'm so scared that I copy stuff, which is, of course, 
stupid because <laughs> I want my I want other people to read my book. But uh, I really, really I love to get all the content from the people themselves, and mm. and they read a lot of books too. But there is there is one book which is I have it in my bag every everywhere okay. I travel. It is a small one. It is eighty four pages, but little little fond and it was given to me by my former boss at kpmg professor dr peter wesner and it was his farewell gift to me after one and a half years of being his his uh, technical assistant and then he said mr Merck, this is one of the three books i will take on an island mm. stranded island the bible faust from goethe our german superstar and this one and in english it's called the art of worldly wisdom the art of worldly wisdom it's written by a jesuit priest from the 16th century from spain his name is baltasar gracian mm -hmm. baltasar gracian and the art of worldly wisdom are are small chapters very small and it it is hints and tips for life It's very hard to read. Our German version was translated by Arthur Schopenhauer, the, oh. the great philosopher. Imagine Schopenhauer translating a Jesuit priest from the 16th century. <laughs> every every chapter, it's a chapter, half page, took, takes me takes me 10 minutes to read, man. But it is so modern, so appropriate. for It's so much wisdom, so compressed in such a small book. I read it on planes every here in a while, on, on, on the subway, in taxis. I take it out and I read one chapter, and you can reread it. This is really amazing. Mm -hmm. What does he touch? Stuff like self-celebration. The one I mentioned before, self-celebration. You know what he talks about, self-celebration. You know? Stupid people self-celebrate. But he doesn't. It, it's not said stupid people. It's in a very wise written way it's very hard to read but the art of worldly wisdom is one you have to know hmm. yeah thanks for the recommendation i think first first person this show that is recommending that so sounds interesting a very small book that but say that takes time to read it um, yeah my my business said Yeah, Mr. Mc, but be aware that you cannot read this this is not a book to read on the plane in, in hmm. one in one go and i said what do you mean so small and then i started i i, I went to page number three and i land and i landed in munich <laughs> jeez it's hard to read okay uh, florian now you have give us a, a lot of recommendations also in in this methodology for storytelling but uh, leave us with um, a final practical advice what we can do regularly a routine to shine If I remember correctly, last time I gave you this mirror tip. Yes, Jim Carrey. Now, there's something I do, and it improves your, in, it's about your voice. Mm -hmm. It improves your, what we call it, musicality. Because mm -hmm. your voice is so much more than an instrument to talk. It can be a musical instrument that transmits all the emotions in the world. And that, of course, in terms of delivery, is your biggest weapon you have, your voice. Now, and there's an easy exercise. I do that sometimes while I cook. I love to cook. I put in my kitchen on the microwave. I put the my my MacBook and I open it and I put on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And in Spotify, I use a playlist where I add very different songs. Like it could be the Requiem of Mozart mm -hmm. followed by Batteray by Metallica. <laughs> and, 
really the full range of music and you do like six, seven different songs and then you train your speech and you do it again and again and again. Use songs of three minutes maybe and then each time a different song comes, you use the voice to tell your story or your speech mm -hmm. using the exact emotional mm -hmm. world of that song that trains your voice tremendously and you, you've discovered new new areas, new dimensions of your voice that you even didn't know. And it's a very nice exercise. You can do it when people are around, but I, I reckon you really do it when you are alone. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so it's for rehearsing your, your speech. You can rehearse, but mm -hmm. it's, it's more about using your voice as a musical instrument because when you talk in the requiem and then it's getting louder and louder and louder but when you say the same thing with better rate then you have to speak like this this is what you're talking about <laughs> and you give the same speech again yeah. again but using different songs and automatically you will train your vocal variety fantastic piece of advice thanks a lot Florian, it's been a pleasure talking with you for the second time in this podcast. And yeah, it was a great piece of advice about storytelling that I cannot wait to put it in practice. And I hope all of us listening to this will do it as well. So Florian, finally, could you tell us how we can learn more about you, follow you? What are the best ways for that? Well, the only thing that will drive your speaking abilities right away is the app of the rhetoric game i can say that it's on facebook.com slash rhetoric game and from there on you find my information anyway i'm i'm all over on social media but rhetoric game at facebook that's really a goodie and that's my recommendation excellent to start practicing right away okay thank you very much florian has been a pleasure and all the best all the best Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 